0: Well, it is what we know as Independence Weekend, and I join my voice with others to say, Happy Fourth of July. It's time for fireworks, grilling hamburgers and hot dogs, and southern sweet tea, hallelujah. (laughs) Whatever way that you're gonna celebrate this holiday, pray it will be a delightful time with family and friends, and just try to stay cool. Just do the best you can with that. But now let's go to the word of the Lord. How many of you are ready for the word today? See what the Holy Spirit is saying to us through God's most holy and infallible word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua 24. With it being Independence Day, I guess the rules say that the preacher is supposed to preach on faith, family, freedom. And I'm not sure whose rules those are but somewhere along the way I heard that rule and I'm gonna quickly and easily confess to you that I'm not good at preaching on any of those topics, but I'm gonna go down the family path with you this morning. We're gonna talk about family. So today, if you will uh, pardon my feeble preaching, but my strong convictions on the subject matter, that's the way we're gonna go. I'm gonna ask you to stand for the reading of the word, Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 and 15. I'm going to ask you to read the text to me with great passion and great energy this morning. Ready, set, go. I'm going to give you one more shot at that last line. Put that last line up. Say it again. and And are you confident about it today? Then give the Lord Jesus a clap of praise. And be reminded that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Thank you. You may be seated. Be careful who you choose. Be careful who you choose. Moses has delivered this um, bedraggled people. and They're now in the promised land with the smell of brick dust still in their garments. Moses has been put to sleep by God in the plains of Moab. And Joshua, his successor, has taken the people across the Jordan River into the land of the Canaanites. Joshua, a military general, has trampled Jericho, conquered Ai. He has routed the enemies of the people of God. Everyone has received their inheritance. Caleb has gone back to his inheritance, Hebron, and Joshua is now 110 years old. And he calls the children of Israel to the valley of Shechem. Now, it's it's very significant, and it should be to us today, and I'll tell you why. It's very significant that he calls them to the valley of Shechem. For Shechem's valley is regnant with their past and pregnant with their future. It's significant that he calls them, that Joshua called them to the valley of Shechem. In the valley of Shechem is residue from Abraham's life. It is in Shechem's valley that God promises Abraham a seed. It's in the valley of Shechem that Abraham builds an altar. It is in Shechem's valley that the bones of uh, Jacob and Isaac, Leah and Rebekah have been interred. It's in the valley of Shechem that they stand all day in between Mount Ebal, you see it there on the far right, and Mount Gerizim here on our left, and they hear the law of God read to them and all of them say, Amen. And it's in the Valley of Shechem that Joshua, now at the ripe old age of 100 years, called the people together to say farewell. And in his valedictory farewell address, He rehearses or he says again and again how good God has been to them. Can I just take a little rabbit trail to say, it is a good thing to count your blessings. What is it we used to sing? Count your many blessings, name them. That is a good thing to do. I met with our language pastors for prayer this morning about 9.45 and as we finished praying, I just said, you know brothers, it's a good day to count your blessings. It's so easy to be negative and only see the negative things, but there are times it's important how simple they may seem, how irrelevant it might seem at the moment, it is important to take the moment to count your blessings. Who's with me on that this morning? So Joshua said he's counting his blessings and he's rehearsing with the people. He said, you know, God led us with a strong arm and his outstretched hand. When we were hungry, he fed us. When we were thirsty, he gave us water to drink. He reminded them that their clothes and their sandals never wore out because of God's goodness. And that God had given them fresh manna every morning and he helped them to rout their enemies. The walls of Jericho just came tumbling down. He reminded them that God had been their protector. God had been their provider. God had been their keeper. Anybody says, that's my testimony today? Everything they needed, God had provided. And then Joshua says to them, but now, and here he is in his farewell address. Here's what all God's done. But now you have a choice to make. You can serve the gods on the other side of the river that your fathers, your fathers and your mothers served. You can serve the gods from the land of Egypt that you just got delivered from. Or you can serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, I said, as for me, And I'm speaking for my house. We will serve the Lord. Now listen to me carefully. Moses trained Joshua to be his successor and Israel's new leader. But Joshua and the elders of the people who served with him did not train their successors. Because they were busy. Busy conquering the Canaanites, busy routing the Amorites. And so they did not train anyone, Joshua's people, or Joshua, in the fear of the Lord. And because Joshua and the elders had no trained successors, Israel was always just one generation away from apostasy. They were always just one generation from away from total departure from the faith. Because when you get to Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 2 says that there arose another generation who did not know God nor what he had done for Israel. And Bethesda Community Church In Fort Worth, Texas in July of 2022, if we do not train the next generation in the faith, then we are just one generation away from driving by this hill on which we now sit today and nothing we have done will have lasted. Are you hearing me today? We have people coming to church that you would think by now that they would have it, but they don't have it. They are not trained to fear God and to follow God in his ways and to honor God. And while we're busy building a building, we had better be sure that we are still remaining faithful to the responsibility that we have before God to be building people. Because if we don't, we could easily have a building with no people in it or we could have people in the building who do not fear God and do not honor God. And frankly, just putting it out there. What's the use of having a church if it's not populated with people who fear the Lord? What's the use of having a church if it's not full of people who honor the name of the Lord Jesus? The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning of wisdom. Moses trained Joshua but Joshua failed to train his successor. And as a result, Israel was always on the precipice of apostasy. And I know that you don't have to believe this, but all it takes is 25 years, a generation, and everything that this fellowship has tried to build since its inception in 1936 will come to nothing. My wife Becky had lunch this week with a a dear friend of hers Someone she's known, we've known, she's closer to her than I am, but someone she's known from long before we came to Fort Worth back in 1978. And that lady told Becky of a church situation, which she, the lady at one time had been involved, and she was kind of giving her the picture of, of uh, they were reminiscing over their, each of them, their journey and how they've gotten to where they are today and all of that. And So she had been involved in this church, that, and the problem is that church seemed to have a stranglehold on staying exactly as they had always been. Some of you have been a part of a church like that. Refused to move forward. Refused to be like the men of Issachar who knew the times and knew, studied the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Refused to invest in their next generation. The choir just sang about that, by the way. And today, that church, this friend of Becky's, said is all but extinct and nothing remains but a handful of older people just waiting for heaven. Nothing wrong with older people, I'm one of them. A church at one time vibrant and alive, heavily engaged in the work of the kingdom, now almost dead and gone. And Bethesda, that exact same thing can happen to us if we do not invest in the next generation and train young people in the fear of the Lord. Can I get an amen in this house anywhere? Someone has to raise the banner of Christ. Some church has to raise the banner of Jesus by truly living out in front of their children and their grandchildren a life that honors the word of the Lord. I'm telling you the truth today, Bethesda. And let those children and grandchildren see that there is a vibrancy and a life in Jesus to which no other life can be compared. Hallelujah. And if we do not do so, There will come another generation behind us who who does not know God or what God has done for his church or specifically this fellowship in this church. Stony the road we trod, bitter has been our chastening rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died side, given to us by James Weldon Johnson. The scripture tells us this, don't remove the ancient landmarks. Every time God did something for the people of Israel, they built an altar. They erected a monument to remind them that it was on this spot that God kept us. It was at this place that God provided for us. It was at this place that God revealed His grace and His goodness to us. And Every time Bethesda God brings you out, every time God makes a way for you, every time God provides for you, every time He supernaturally steps in and opens a door for you, you don't need a monument or a stone or an altar, but in your praise you do need to make it abundantly clear that it was nobody but Jesus, who could have done that for you? Parents and grandparents, give God the praise and then tell your children what God has done. Be lavish in your expression of knowing, of them knowing what God has done in your life, in your family, and that it was nobody but the Lord. Joshua does something that I never do. He gives an invitation that has options. When I give an invitation, I never present other options. When giving an invitation, I never say, now you can choose door number one, or you can choose door number two, or you can choose door number three. I never leave it open for options. But Joshua says, folks, you've got options here. And whichever God you choose will set the course of your life. Now you got to remember, as you consider all this, Joshua is a military tactician, he is a commander, he is a general, he is very accustomed to giving orders. He just said it and they did it. But now we see him giving them choices because he seems to understand that you can't order people in the kingdom of God. (laughs) You can't force anyone into service for the Lord. Believe me, I've tried it. (laughs) Every way possible, I've tried it. Doesn't work. Can't tell you how many times my wife has had to say to me, I come home and I say, well, this person's quit or this has happened and I'm starting to scheme and plan in my own mind, okay, how can I coerce them? How can I you know, persuade them or whatever? And she can hear in my mind what's going on and she'll look at me and she'll say, Dan, that's never worked in the past and it's never gonna work again. Don't even try. You've tried it every time over and over. And that's, you, know, you might change someone's behavior for some limited period of time But if there is no heart transformation and they're doing something just for you, it will not last and they don't really mean it. But if you show them options of what this God is like as opposed to what this other God is like, that's what will make a difference. But notice that that, that just before Joshua gives the people options, if you read it and paid attention to what you were reading, he stacks the deck for Jehovah. He says, now, now choose whatever God you want. That's fine. But before you choose, let me just remind you of what this God did for us. When we were slaves, he sent us a deliverer. When we could not know how on earth we were going to make it, oh, he opened the Red Sea. When we were hungry, he sent manna from heaven. There was nothing but rocks in the wilderness, but when we got thirsty, God gave us sweet water out of a dry rock. So now, folks, choose these other gods if you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going with God number one. And know this, the God you choose will determine the direction of your life. So let me just briefly rehearse these with you. Joshua told them, now you can choose the gods of your mothers and fathers. You can do that. The gods of the Chaldeans and the land beyond the river where Abraham was called. With those gods, there were three cosmic deities, the three astro-deities and all kinds of gods to go along with the lifestyle of of the Chaldeans. If that's what you want, go right ahead, choose him. Choose the gods of your mothers and fathers that were on the other side of the river. And what Joshua is communicating here uh, is basically this, that psychologically there is what is known as the law of transference. Say it with me. The it's the law of transference. Some people would call it the law of exposure. Whatever you are exposed to the most, invariably and inevitably, that is what you will you'll gravitate toward that whatever you've been most exposed to. For example, um, if, you're, if your daddy loves sports, you will probably become a sports lover. It's very likely. If your mother was into shopping and clothes and cooking and housewares, ladies, invariably, that's that's probably what you're going to gravitate toward. It's the law of transference, the law of exposure. Whatever you are exposed to the most, you will gravitate toward because that's what you've been around all, all your life. And, and, and that says to us, Uh, this morning is this we need to be so very careful what we are transferring to our children I wish I had somebody to help me here this morning because your children will learn to love the God that you choose careful it's a trap your children will learn to love the God you choose if you're crazy about money if that's the God you chose it If you're crazy about politics and power and prestige and cars and cash and clothes, you will transfer that to your children, and they will learn to love what you love, no matter how false that thing is. It's awful quiet in here, Dan, right now. It's also true. Hear me. If you love the church of Jesus Christ, your children will come to love the church, That's what you saw in this pulpit last Sunday, by the way. If you love preaching, and dare I say, and the preacher, guess what? Your children will develop that attitude as well, unless you have roast preacher every Sunday afternoon for lunch. You don't have to take my word for that. Let me tell you how this works. Your child will then, they'll get themselves a little microphone if they have to get a hairbrush from mama's drawer in the bathroom and they'll design some kind of pulpit and they'll start preaching like the preacher because simply you brought them to church. It's the law of transference. You're transferring to your children. I think I've told you many times, I was raised in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor, my mom was a secretary, church organist, adult Bible, Sunday school teacher and everything else. So my entire childhood was spent in the church. I don't have a memory of being anywhere else except in the church. They would just turn me loose to roam all around the building, and I knew every nook and cranny of the building from the basement to the attic, and one day I was playing church in Sanctuary. Nobody was around. It was just me, and um, I'd play the piano for a little bit, and and then I I got in the pulpit and I preached a little bit. Uh, I got four or five people saved. There was nobody there. (laughs) I sang a song or two. It was really good. And, and then I found the communion set. It was, uh, there was a communion table right here in the front and the back side. The, the communion set was there. It was a real nice glass set. I think it was fairly new if I remember. And I got it and I started serving the people. There was no people there. I started up and down the aisle, imaginary people, and I'd say nice things, and I'd bless them as, as you know, and I would, I would, I'd hand it and I'd reach and try to get the people in the middle. And Sister Johnson always sat right in the middle, trying to reach and get all the way to her. In the process of that, I reached too far and I dropped the whole thing and it broke. The whole glass little thing broke. And my parents did not know what to do, to, uh, do with me. They were not happy that I broke the whole communion set But how are they going to punish me for being so holy in my activity? I kind of had them over the barrel, didn't I? But this law of transference works the other way as well. Conversely, if you're against the church, if you are negative about everything that's going on, if you're the one saying stuff like, well, they have that and that thing, that, do they really want to know what we think? Or are they just doing this to make us feel good about that we had a voice in it? If you're one of those people, let me tell you how that works. I was in the meeting, by the way, a a Zoom meeting this week and heard the architects themselves They said, you know what happened? Uh, We went, we had 40 of your drawings from your people and you have some pretty sharp people put stuff together. We'd already had a general idea of how we thought this thing was going to go until we saw uh, exhibition number five, whoever was at that table. We don't know. I'm sure you think it was you. And we looked at that and studied that. and We think that's a better idea than what we come up with. And that's one of the ones they're going to present to you on july 14th because what you did no they're not just placating you that's not what's happening but if you're one of those people that has to have that negative attitude or be cynical about everything you're going to transfer that to your children and you're going to transfer to them that attitude towards supporting the church if you love the lord and his church you don't have to say anything just watch them you will automatically transfer that to them you will transfer them to that, them that which you love the most Joshua said, you can serve those gods, your moms and dads, but they don't satisfy. Or, option number two, you can serve the gods from which you were just delivered. Let's see how we can make that make sense. He said, you can serve the gods from the Egyptians that God just delivered you from, but I ask you, what sense does it make to go back to a god, small g, that you just got delivered from if you worship anything and god delivers you from that it is very wise to not go back to that let me tell you why because the demons come back seven times stronger than they were before am i telling you the truth today you're not helping me a bit you're not helping me a bit here today Listen, if God has delivered you from an addiction, then for God's sake, don't go back to that, whatever it is. And for your sake. Don't hang around the crack house. Don't hang around the nightclub. Don't go driving by the strip club. Oh, Pastor Tim, we don't have any of that in Bethesda. I'm not gonna say what I'm thinking. If God has delivered you from something, get away from it. Whatever it is, get away from it. Why would you want to go back to a God, little g, that you've just been delivered from? Why? You know what the scripture says? This is going to really bless you. It's like the dog going back to lick up his own vomit. Am I right about it? The very thing that made him sick, he's gonna go eat it again. God has brought you from some stuff. He has delivered you from some pain. He has brought you out from some depression. He has rescued you from some abuse. Why would you go back to what God just brought you out of? What is your Egypt? Egyptians had gods for everything, had fertility gods. They, had, they worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars. Everything was a god because they were pantheistic in their faith. And then Joshua said to the people, if you forsake the gods of your mothers and fathers, and if you forsake the gods of the Egyptians that God just delivered you from, there, there, there's, there is another situation. Option number three. It's still possible that you could be caught up in the, the, uh, the gods in whose land you now dwell. You read it. That, that, that's something you also could get caught up in. Because the gods of culture, the draw, the appeal, the attraction of the gods of this culture is proximity. Time and place. We are so close to these gods. You're sitting there today closer to some of these culture gods than you realize. We are so close to these gods that they are hidden in plain sight to us. And their influence is so imperceptible that you can be caught up in it before you even recognize that you're caught up in it. Now, I'm going to ask you to hang on for this. The opposite of theism is not atheism. The opposite of theism is idolatry. And idolatry is not just the worship of false gods. Idolatry is also worshiping the true God falsely. You want that again? Because it's the truth. The opposite of theism is not atheism, the opposite of theism is idolatry. And idolatry is not just the worship of false gods, which is what we've always believed. Idolatry is also worshiping the true God falsely. And it's very possible, Bethesda, to worship the true God falsely. God is not in these rocks on the walls. He's not in the wood on this platform, as pretty as it all is. We still confuse worship with religion. Everyone born of a woman is hardwired for worship. Every one of us. And if it's not God, then you are going to worship something. Whatever you give your money to, that's what you worship. That was a resounding amen. Whatever you spend your time doing, that's what you worship. If you love God and His church... That is what you'll give yourself to in worship. You'll spend your life giving it to God because worship is not a religion, it is a lifestyle. And I've made the decision, my lifestyle is around the church. Is anybody with me today? Joshua said, you can serve the gods of your fathers and mothers that you met on the other side of the river. You can do that. Or you can serve the God of the Egyptians that God just delivered you from. Or you can serve the gods in whose land you now dwell, the cultural gods. That's your choice. I'm leaving that up to you. I've been, um, I've been your general, he said, since Moses died. I can't make you serve the God of Moses. You have to make that choice. But while you're choosing, what I can do is I can just remind you a little bit of the background the backdrop here, I, 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 I do feel a bit of an obligation. While you're making your choice what God you're going to serve, I can remind you of some history. So l- let me rehearse in your hearing, people of God, who exactly it was that kept you. Who exactly it was that has done everything for you. Because I, I'm pretty sure there's someone here, even in this house this morning, who's in the process of deciding whether you recognize it or not. You're in the process of deciding what God you're going to serve. So let me help you. Let me rehearse for you some history. He's been a company keeper. He's been your shelter in the time of storm. Is there an amen to that? He's dried your tears in the midnight hour. He's opened doors that were closed right in your face. He put food on your table. He made your enemies your footstool and caused them to leave you alone. When no one was on your side, he's the one who was right there protecting you every step of the way. When you didn't have a job, you never lost your house because of him. When there was no money coming in, even during COVID, you ate every day because of him. You have clothes in your closet so much that you couldn't even decide this morning what to wear. God has been good to you. God has opened doors for you. God has made a way for you time after time after time. So while you're trying to decide which God you're going to choose, let me speak for me in my house. As for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here you are today, you can drive whatever you want to drive. You sleep wherever you want to sleep. You spend your money any way you want to spend it. Why is that? Because of the goodness of God on your life. Oh, but God has been better than that. Some of you here have been sick in your body and could not get well, but the Lord healed your body. But God has been better than that. Many of you here have lost a loved one and thought you'd never stop crying, but the Bible has reminded you that weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, but God has been better than that. One Friday, on an old rugged cross, he died. Oh yes, he died, but God has been better than that. Bright early on Sunday morning, he arose with all power and authority in his hand. But he's better than that. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and to keep you until he comes again. Oh, but God has been better than that. One of these days, he's coming back again, and when he comes back again, the Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has in store for those who love him. Oh, but wait, there's more. The Bible says, God shall wipe away every tear from our eyes. Are you still deciding which God you're going to serve? Wait, there's more. The Bible says there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Hallelujah. Oh, but wait, there's more. John said, I saw the heavens. I saw them coming from the north, the south, and the east, and the west, and they had on white robes. And I asked the elder, Who are these people? But there's more, he said, these are they who have come through great tribulation. They've come through great tribulation, and they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I ask you today, what's your choice? What's your choice? Is there anybody in the house today who has chosen the right God to serve? Is there anyone here who's made up your mind? You've decided to follow Jesus and there's going to be no turning back. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet, please. He is the only choice, for He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. I want you to join me in just lifting your hands before the Lord this morning, saying, oh God, we bless you for your faithfulness to us all through the generations. Time and time again, you've proven your faithfulness. Come on, speak it out this morning, church. Give your praise and magnify His name this morning. Thank Him for His faithfulness in your life. Thank Him for His goodness in your life. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. We exalt you, mighty King.